Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. You go. Because <laughs> I don't want to be the Dover talker. Well, that was the night of our graduation, uh, high school graduation. And I had taken a date, my girlfriend, for all of high school, I guess. And I had to take her home early. Her mother was very strict. And she was at the party. And her, my best friend was dating her best friend. And when I got back to the party, they introduced us. So I kind of started there. And... Is that how you remember it? Okay, you tell it. <laughs> Did they introduce us before or after you took her home? Hmm. It was possible it was before, quite a bit before. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it may have been days, weeks, maybe even months before. Now that I think about it. <laughs> That's not. It was that night, for okay. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Way back in 1980. Yeah. Did you go to the same school? No, we went to different high we schools. We were at different high schools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of rival, except for our, our high school really wasn't a rival because we were horrible at football. <laughs> they were like, um, you guys were either first or second in the city all the time, right? Yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. And she was 18. Yeah. Yeah. We met <laughs> June 17th. They were graduated from high school, right? Okay. They had a party. Then we didn't go on our first date until November. It was Thanksgiving Day. You remember that? I took her to the movies. Yeah, yeah, you took me to the movies. And then we got married nine months later, August 1st. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> How did we get from uh, 17, 18 to marriage? Hmm. Well, we started dating. That was our first date. And then, was it February? We moved in together. We started living together. Broke all the rules, all the rules. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was. But this was. This, this was love at, yeah. at first sight. So, yeah. Yes. And our friends have been trying to get us together all during high school, but he always had a girlfriend. He always had this uh, one young lady that that he was dating. And so we never really met until that night at a party. And I kind of always thought my friend would end up with his friend. And I don't think they they broke up like shortly right after that. Right. Yeah. But um, so we started moving together that February. Well, before that, they used to drive by my house. Oh, God. Blow the horn and then take off. And it would irritate my father. He would be just livid. I can't believe you. So, <laughs> I can't believe you. You better go outside before I go out there and tell them to quit doing that. And I didn't know who it was. It turned out it was her and her girlfriend and one other friend. I'm going to need a facelift after this. <laughs> I need to change my identity completely after this. So they were. 
They were. Yes, that was the childish games that me and my girlfriend would play. Yes. I was just, I was just smitten. It really was. Just like not a doubt in my mind, even though we were so young, but really just not even a doubt in my mind that, that um, I was in love and, you know, he was going off to the Air Force in August. So we started living together that February, got married August 1st, and you left like... August 11th. Yeah, yeah. to go so. to the Air Force. We really didn't get to stay together a long time yeah. prior to that, by yeah. training. For one thing, it's all gone by so fast. I guess I never really thought that, uh, I guess I'm forever was just always, I guess. You know, I just, I never thought about that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Some things you just do, and you know it's the right thing to do, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I just, I, the thing that I remember most about him at that age was I re I just I remember how gentle he was. He was just always such a gentle soul when I would talk to him, um, and I love that about him. And he's still that way. He's still that way. In, in a lot of ways, we had so much in common. We were a lot alike, mm -hmm. and there was really, uh, at least for me, I never really felt like I had a foundation. You know, being on the move all the time. So it's like... Because both our parents were right. Air Force. Yeah. So we moved as kids. So, so now, yeah. You know, you never really get a chance to hold on to anything, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. I guess at 17, 18 years old, uh, I don't know, I guess I was just ready to hold on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the early years, of course, some ups and downs, but we were like dreaming. You know, so we were hustling. She wanted to go back to school. Mm -hmm. I was working, taking care of my son while she was going to school. And then when I went to work, she, you know, she had him. So I think we were just always trying to figure out where were we going to go next, you know, with our lives, where we wanted to be. Yeah. And. And 18 and 19, I mean, you know, by the time we got married, we started dating 17, 18. But by the time we got married, we were 18, 19. You. You don't really know anything. You think you do, but you don't know anything. So you're you're still like, as individuals, you're still really trying to evolve and find out who you are. And then now you're married and with a child and you're trying to figure out, I think, the dynamics of all of that at one time. So you're just trying to figure out how to progress, how to, how to still grow, and then just understanding this journey kind of that you you find yourself in at such a young age because right. we were young and we moved from Sacramento, California to Sumter, South Carolina, which was his first base. So, you know, here we are 18, 19 years old. We jump in a car and drive all the way across country. So it was a that was a big shock, adventure, shock, challenge, like all of those things that you would expect. And then we're young on top of it. And we don't have any support system. So, cause all of our family was in Sacramento. What would you say was your biggest, biggest growth moment? I wanna say probably by the time we left Texas, and I wanna say that was 91, right? Yeah, we moved to Oklahoma. Yeah, 91. And uh, I was taking my son, our son to a new place and 
getting established somewhere we didn't know anything about. And mm. I kind of felt like this was like yeah. even bigger responsibility for me, you know, trying to get my family established and, yeah. and uh, I don't know, just give them that secure feeling. So I kind of felt like I had to, you know, really step it up. I think biggest growth moments, understanding that that was our first time when we moved to Texas, not being affiliated with the Air Force. So we were born and raised as two yeah, military kids, that. right? Yeah. So up until the time, we were like 30 then, right? I think we were 29. 29. Yeah. So 29 years, we had never done anything else other than be in the military. Our parents were in the military. Um, um, even my stepdad was in the military. My brother-in-law was in the military. His dad was in the military. So that was a safety net so for it was, us. Right? Yes, it was yeah. huge. And then now at 29 years old, for the very first time, we're experiencing the world without that safety net. That was huge. They call it the real world. Yeah, that's what yeah. they used to say in the military. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my God. They would say, oh my God, y'all are really going to go in the real world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot that. Now, personalities, right? I'm laid back <laughs> and she's a little more. A little more? Well, quite a bit. <laughs> I can't help oh. it. <laughs> And, and uh, I guess sometimes I would, t you know, at several times when I would tend to take things the wrong way, just not knowing that she is, I don't want to say high strung, but <laughs> a lot of emotion, you know, a lot of emotion. And yeah. the risk taker, I'm the one that's going to like push us over the edge. Go, come on, let's jump. Let's just uh -huh. jump. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not opposed to the idea, but can I have a minute? No. If you have a minute, then we'll talk ourselves out of it. Let's just go. So, definitely. But you know, one of the things I learned about him that initially when he shared this with me, I, I was like, oh my God, I just don't even understand how this is possible. But I remember we were having this conversation. I don't know if you remember this. Um, it was a while back. And I asked him, do you know what your purpose is? And I was going through this phase of, oh my God, what is my purpose? And you know, I'm in this corporate world and Every promotion for me felt empty. And I remember asking him, do you know what your purpose is? And he said, my purpose is to love. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, not the answer I wanted. <laughs> what do you mean? Isn't that crazy? But that's, that's what I was thinking like in that moment, not realizing in that moment how powerful that statement really was and that's really who he has been in the marriage through thick and thins up and downs the challenges no matter what he's he's always just had this place of love and you know i have that for me i was like always trying to like get that next thing get that next thing get that next thing and he was like we're gonna get there and i was like no but we just you know and that was kind of always my personality so our approach to things is definitely different, but I feel like he has this, he always has this great way to reel me back in. And I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> in Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, we were lying in bed one day or one morning and she said, 
do you think you could transfer to Los Angeles? And I said, well, I'm sure if there's an opening. <laughs> she says, I, he was gonna I think we should go to Los Angeles. I, I think we, Jay needs us. He wants us out there. And, you know, we've been apart uh, from each other for quite a while. I think he'd been here almost 10 years uh, when we when we moved out. And uh, we'd been in Oklahoma for 22 years, so I was settled. You know, we, we had a home. We, you know, surrounded ourselves with the comforts we liked. And uh, I really didn't want to give that up, you know. But I said, okay, well, yeah, you know what? We should be there with our son, you know, if he wants us there. Now, I had reservations the whole while long because I didn't know what to expect when we got out here in L.A. And uh, we came thinking, well, we'll both have jobs. And her background, she, she could pretty much go anywhere with it. And I thought that was the plan when we got out here. Uh, but uh, once, oh my God. once we got to moving around the valley and looking down in Inglewood, she just one day says, well, you know, I don't really want to work. <laughs> and I was just thinking, well, how is this going to work? You know. Uh, I said. Okay. Now, I I did say I would like to take the opportunity to explore something different. I was burnt out with finance. Right. right? I did, did I say that? You did. Okay. I was burnt out with finance and I wanted, since I was moving, and he was being transferred. I just felt like, you know, God was speaking. It was my opportunity um, to consider changing careers. And um, and I'm not opposed to starting over. So it didn't bother me that I was going to, whatever I chose to do, I knew I was going to have to go to the bottom and grind my way back to the top. And I felt like God had opened that door for me before. And he'll open that door for me again. And and I'm a risk taker in that way. And so note, I jumped, he transferred, <laughs> right? And so that's very much uh, kind of how it worked out. I think once we got here, I realized uh, I was going to be in a more supporting role as a... Uh, I always have, and I enjoy doing. So I was fine with with her uh, career change and, and the dream. No, you know what the deal was? He thought I wasn't serious. Because in his mind, I think he understood, right? He had seen, you know, this was part of our journey, the sacrifice of getting to that level in the corporate world. And I think he didn't think I could walk away from it, you know? In his mind, he thought, oh, she'll take a couple of couple of weeks off or a couple of months off, and then, you know, she'll just, she'll want to go back. She's worked so hard for that, like, to get to that level and then just walk away. I think that's, if you're honest, I, I yeah, yeah, I yeah. I didn't realize yeah, yeah. that you, you were serious, I was serious. about serious. Yes, I was very serious. But the one thing about her, I, ha I have to say, and it's one of the things that I love so much about her is she's driven and... She does whatever it is she sets out to do, she does. And uh, I really do admire that. It's because I've watched her since 1981. And I think she's the smartest person I know. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. 
and she's been a wonderful wife. Just a wonderful wife for me. But yeah, she's, she can do whatever she wants. She gets it done. What's up, Black Love fam? It's David Wazicki, host of Man to Man, and just got the word on the final season of Black Love. Wow, wow. So after five seasons, we're heading into the sixth and final season, and I'm genuinely excited for this one because if you're a regular listener to my show, you know I shout out New York Strong being born and raised New York, Spanish Harlem, what up? But they got Papoose, DJ Envy, JB Smooth, all in the lineup. And the fact that they're actually going to be open and vulnerable and honest about their relationships, I'm here for it. And by the way, I would love to have all three men a man to man. That'd be a dope idea. In the meantime, you can check out the final season of Black Love Saturday, July 23rd at 10 p.m. 9 central on OWN. And in the meantime, make sure to check out all previous seasons on the Black Love Plus app. I think for me, I would say in the beginning, thinking that not not really appreciating um, who he was. I think we do this. We think we're going to change someone, right? And so trying to influence him and, and to move in the same way that I was moving and not letting him move in the way he needed to move. And that was something that definitely um, was a challenge for me in the beginning because I felt like, you know, I had always had this vision that I was going to be in corporate America. There was like, you, no one could tell me that I wasn't going to do well. I already knew this. I would, you know, walk around telling people I was going to have a C-suite job, knew I was going to have it. And people would look at me like, I'm like, did you know you're a black girl? I'm like, yes, I do. That's why I'm going to do it. And so I wanted him to just like get out there. And But what I didn't understand was like his approach to life and his balance is what allowed me to be able to do that. And I had to mature into that because I didn't appreciate it in the beginning. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of couples make early on in their relationships. And, and sometimes it can be detrimental and you can't recover from it. I would say early on and probably still to this day, communication. I, I could be a lot better communicator uh, as far as, I guess, expressing the things that hurt or upset, but I tend to just let it roll off. But I, I would say that would be one of my You have to kind of dig, it, dig yeah. it out of them. And I think it's because I'm so outspoken. Like if something's bothering me, I'm just like, okay, we need to do it. We need to talk about it because this happened and this is bothering me. And it take, I, I've learned signs now, things that he does when something's bothering him. And then I know, oh, I did something that's bothering him. I need to ask him about that. And then sure enough, if I ask him about it, then he'll tell me. If not, he won't tell me. And so it's, I'm so glad that I've learned to pick up on the signs. In the evolution of marriage and relationship, we never think that we need to look for signs, right? 
Um, but I think it's important too, because I think it also expresses for the other spouse that you really do care and that you are attentive to the things that bother them. And, and even though we express ourselves in different ways, um, that's okay. And I think when you're looking for those, those signs, at least I hope that's what I'm communicating is that I'm letting him know. I understand that maybe, um, you don't want to just come right out and say it, but it's actually okay to say it. I'm okay. I would rather you say it. It used to frustrate me in the beginning and I felt like I didn't appreciate it and I didn't understand it until I matured into it. And I realized um, because at times he is very soft-spoken, that's his way. Well, let's just say if I had to give advice, I, I guess having uh, fewer fewer selfish moments, right? Because the time I feel like you spend out there or whatever it is you want to do could be better spent with, with your family. And, do you uh, think you have selfish moments? Well, no, I've, I've overcome those. That's what I'm trying to say. Are they my selfish like moments or your selfish moments? My selfish moments. Really? You think you're selfish? Well, I, th I mean, when I was younger, yeah. Wow. I wanted to go play ball or, you know hang out with the fellas or things never, like that. But the things I wish I- would I, never call you selfish. What, really? Never. No, you wouldn't. No. And you wouldn't see it that way. But the things that I think about think that I wish I could have really? done a little different. Wow. Yeah. I think back in the, in the 90s, I worked a lot of hours. I worked a lot of hours and I worked a lot of nights. Mm. And those were times that I should have been at home. I realize now, especially with uh, my son growing up so fast, uh, I missed a lot of that. I felt like I missed a great deal of that. Mm -hmm. Now, they may not think so. I mean, but, but I kind of felt like uh, I spent too much time on the job. Yeah. At the time, I assume you thought you were doing what was done. Right? Yes, but you know, I guess I thought back, and how do you think a child really feels about something like that? And why would you think they would understand adult problems or yeah. so that's the thing I didn't I, I wish I had done that different yeah mm. I think in the beginning especially when we moved to Tulsa Oklahoma so right after he got out of the Air Force and went to work for American did you, you started on nights I think you were yeah you I, ended up on the I, night shift and then you were even on the not just night shift but the midnight shift. midnight yeah. shift so that really crept all into the day, right? Because um, he wouldn't get up till maybe like um, nine o'clock in the evening because he needed to sleep, then get up at nine and then, you know, off to work for 12 o'clock shift. So yeah, it absolutely cut into our time, but I always saw it as the sacrifice of the things that we were trying to do to provide a better life for our son, for the things that, that we didn't have. And so, I always tried to make the best of it. So when he was on the night shift, Jay and I would kind of have like our little routine. And then when, um, because you would rotate every like 30 days or right. it was weird because he had to rotate. And then when he was on the day shift, then we would have a whole different strategy. And and it, to me, there was times when he even made it fun and probably didn't realize this because when he would come back on the day shift, Jay and I would have gotten into all kinds of things. <laughs> So he would come back and he's like, what was going on while I was on nights, you know? And 
kind of straighten things out. And so it, it allowed for a different bonding process. And I think also when um, when we had our weekends together, we tried, we always tried to make the most of it. So they were very important. We were always together as a family. And um, I just always saw it as, and, and, and prayed that really Jay understood that. Just like you say, how does a child understand an adult decision? But just praying that our son understood the sacrifice. Um, and I, to some degree, I think he didn't, but to some degree, I think he did because <laughs> he was raised with two adults and he was always part of an adult conversation. So there were a lot of things that um, we tried to get him to understand because we got married so early that these are some of the sacrifices that we were making. So we always shared those kind of things with him about, this is what happens when you get married at 18 and 19. We didn't get to go to college first, we had a family first, now we're trying to do those things later. So there's gonna be a bigger sacrifice. We want it to be different for you you go to college first and get established and then you have your family. Early on, we had difficult times, but I, I don't see them as being difficult now. Now, when she doesn't like me, <laughs> it's when we sleep at night, <laughs> which a lot of people snore. So I'm a, I have a snoring problem. I, I know when she doesn't like me is when she hasn't gotten any sleep. But this is uh that's funny. My partner in crime, so I can't. Wow. I don't think I've ever. I mean, how do you? I, I like the way you pose the question. I think you do go through these ebbs and flows in a relationship where some of the things that you are. I know for me, some of the things that you're picking on are almost like things you don't like about yourself that you're trying to deal with. And um, I felt like earlier on in our marriage, because we were, again, the age, we were just so young, being um, 18 and 19, getting married. And, you know, you, you're trying to figure you out and you're trying to figure out your spouse and you're trying to make it line up and be perfect and it's not and through that you just when you when you take that approach you just start making a lot of mistakes and I can say what for the most part even though he says oh I'm not a good communicator he was saying he's not a good communicator there's never a time when you can't come and talk to him though there's never a time when he's not open to sitting down. I can't ever think of a time that he has said no. You know, it might be a handful. And that, I think that makes the self-selection process, I mean, the selection process, not even a question. Do you know what I mean? It's because if you've got someone who is always open to that communication, because I wasn't always open to communication, <laughs> Um, but he was. And so I think that's what kept it open was somebody was always open. If we were both closed off and communicated the way I did, we would be in a lot of trouble. But because he was always open, no matter the challenges that we faced and early on, I mean, you know, you're struggling, you don't have any money. We have no support system. We're 
halfway across country. We did, we hated where we lived. We didn't um, like the community. We didn't feel a part of it. We didn't have friends. So you just had all these things like pulling at you. And some of them were solvable and some of them were not. And um, because he was always open to communication, I don't know that the self-selection process of choosing him in that way was ever part of our decision. Even in our toughest times, I would say that I knew I always wanted to be married. I did. There were times when I didn't know how how things would work out, but I always wanted to be married to him. I always wanted to be married to him because it was I, his gentleness. I I don't know how to express that and articulate it right, but his gentleness always was just it. It always captured my heart. Well, at eighteen and nineteen years old, no money, no money. Well, but I had we had work. We had work. We had a job, but yeah, we didn't have uh, friends our age uh, at that time. Yeah, that was very hard. In the same situation we were in, so we either had to find older friends mm-hmm. and yeah. s- see life through their three or four years they had on us, which some of that was some of that could have been negative, and. Uh, but some good things could have come out of it. You know, you learn. You're always learning, yeah. Especially when you're trying to mm-hmm. build a relationship. Yeah, the, I, I I agree with that part because our our friends were all in college, and here we were married with a child and living cross country. So those ties got severed fast because we didn't have anything in common with um, our friends anymore. That, you know, when you have um, those childhood high school friendships you think right. are going to be with you forever, those were those ties got like cut hard and fast. And I think one of the things we struggled with was we were so isolated from everybody, our parents, our, our siblings, you know, um, nieces, I mean, um, um, aunts, uncles, cousins, yeah. we didn't have any support system around us. And that at 18, 19 yeah. is hard. You couldn't stay on the phone all day back then. Yeah. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Oh my God, we would get the phone bill. Couldn't pay the phone bill. I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. But then that was the only thing. Everybody was long distance. Right. Oh my God, that was so, that was hard. Not having but, that. You still get it back to why I always choose her. And whatever, we have our hard times, like I said, but 37 years is, there's no big issues. I mean, nothing's ever that big. Even in the beginning, I don't think I held on to being mad a long time. Now, she could be mad for a while, but, you know, just don't get it out your system, you know. You're mad, now you're over it. Move on. I think your approach to how you, like you were saying, I can be a powder, I think, and I can be a powder. Um, So, and I'm glad that I've been able to mature past that because in the early years, um, definitely could be a powder. But because he wasn't, that gave me balance. First, I didn't understand it. Like, I wanted him to be a powder. (laughs) 
I wanted to be a powder and then I wanted you to be a powder. And he wasn't. And you aren't an arguer. You didn't like to argue at all. He always wanted to have this sensible conversation. Um, when he would be on, this is so funny because when he would be on the night shift and come back on today's, there's no telling what we what uh, Jay and I would have gotten into. And he would always call them, he would call them family forums. <laughs> we would have to come in and explain what we have gotten um, ourselves into. Um, but he always wanted to talk it out. And in my mind, I kind of came from a family of arguers. Um, so talking it out was like, I don't even know what, understand what that means. And uh, that wasn't his way at all. So that was good. That was something I definitely had to mature into. Took a long time. Um, so 37 years, met at 17, 18, got married at yeah. 19. Do you feel like what you have is rare? Very. Very. I talk to a lot of young people uh, mm -hmm. where I work, and uh, wow, people don't really, well, I can't say a large group or uh, of people, but it seems like no one wants to get married. They want to just kind of live together maybe or have several relationships uh, and maybe want to stick. But uh, very few, very few people that I, I know right now married longer than 10 years, 20 years, few, but. I think it's rare, but I don't think it has to be rare. I don't think that, I think what happens is as we're having our challenges in those early years, whoever you are when you're getting married, nobody wants to stick it out. Everybody just wants to leave when all of the sex appeal feels like it's worn off and then the reality of working through the dynamics of personalities appear. Right. And I think that part is what makes it maybe rare, but it doesn't have to be. I think when you, if you can stick it out, if you can work through those tough times, that's when you, you realize, wow, what was really on the other side wasn't even that important to get to this point, but you don't know that if you don't stick it out. And so many people are willing to- Just run. To just run. When it doesn't work, run. Run, yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel sexy anymore, run. Or, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't want to be in this situation where I've got to work out the dynamics. I don't, I don't want to give, you know, I don't want to give. Somebody, I've heard people say this numerous times, Marriage is 50-50, but it's not. It's 100% of everything that you bring to the table, and it's 100% of everything that he brings to the table. And you have to be willing to carry him sometimes, and he has to be willing to carry you sometimes. And it's constant ebb and flow. But what I realized, hindsight's 20-20, right? If you could bottle it, it'd be amazing. But what I realize now on this side of the journey is, you know, where you're going through these ebbs and flows in the beginning, what you realize is they look like this on the other side. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. And th this is what it starts out. It's like, oh my God, how do we get through this? And I think if you're willing to stick through that, then there's something like that's so amazing. And like, I can't imagine my life, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I can't imagine it not being with him. I just can't imagine that. Like I, I love, 
finishing his sentences. Like, I, you know, I just, I just cannot imagine that process of not being here today, but you got to stick it out. It's just like anything else. You got to stick it out. And it's amazing. We're willing to cut and run faster in a marriage than we are on a job that we're miserable on. It wasn't easy in the beginning. It never is, right? I mean, but I think I know she's always going to be on my team. I mean, she's always going to be right there behind, on the side, in front. She's going to be there. And that's what you need. I mean, that's what you want. I would just like to encourage don't be so quick to give up. It's an investment in your life. And it's not just an investment in your future, it's an investment in your life. And to encourage couples to be more willing to dig in in the tough times instead of feeling like walking away is the best solution. Because I think if you if you had any love for that person at all in the beginning, do what you have to to remember those moments and dig in and weather, weather the storm. Because on this side of it, it's amazing. It's really amazing. You know, I, I can't imagine not talking to him every day and calling him and FaceTiming him and Marco Polo. Marco Polo. I, like, I, I can't imagine when I hear something good or bad, you know, um, that's the first person that I want to have a conversation with about, about anything. And so I can't imagine, what if we would have given up on one another and we wouldn't have that. And so I, you know, if I could encourage someone to do anything, it would be learn to dig in, do whatever it is you have to do to remember why you fell in love with that person and dig in for the long haul. And you will be pleasantly surprised, I think, as you weather, weather the storms, because it's not easy. And I would never want anyone to think by looking at us that it was easy and I would never want anyone to think that we want you to think it was easy <laughs> because that's not that's not the case by any stretch of the imagination but this is my buddy yeah this is my friend I don't think it would work no other way yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>